0: Finding that one thing, I guess. Um, can you imagine this guy uh, who puts more product in his hair and spends more time looking like he doesn't try than anyone I know <laughs> at a dude ranch? Um, uh, it's awesome. It's his dad's 70th birthday, and, uh, and they all went to a dude ranch. The funny funnier thing, really, is seeing Dinah. Uh, If you know his sister, Pastor Dinah, from uh, the sanctuary at the Dude Ranch, that is going to be quite comical. And Fran, who loves nothing more than fashion. Um, So uh, we we have one announcement. Uh, This coming Friday is uh, The Lab. Uh, Last month we kind of were out of order because we did the Seder meal. This month we will be back this Friday, 7 p.m. here in the CLC. Uh, We're going to do something a little different uh, this time, is uh, we want people to bring food. Um, and to have kind of a meal together. It was such a cool deal at the Seder meal that August and I were discussing it this morning. She's like, let's just do that every time we do the lab. And um, it seems like a, a heck of an idea to me. So um, what we're going to ask you to do is uh, is to, to bring some sort of dish to share with people. Um, so if you're coming to the lab, and the lab, for those of you that don't know, is uh, something we do every month it's a, an extended time of worship and teaching that we kind of just experiment with stuff Hence the name of the lab um, and uh we do this the first friday of every month from seven to about nine o'clock there is child care available um should you uh should you need that uh, if you have any questions please see me or august uh after the service so uh we are continuing in our uh series on exodus we have just a few more weeks in exodus before we move um, to a summer series dealing with uh, with healing. Um, but we are still in Exodus. Uh, how many of you did Fiesta stuff this week? How many of you are happy that Fiesta is over? <laughs> That's awesome. If you're like, yeah, I did Fiesta stuff, how many of you are happy? Yes. Um, yeah, Viva gone. Okay, um, we couldn't be happier in our house that Fiesta is over. Uh, we, we love us uh, some Fiesta. Don't get us wrong. Um, there is, however, I do believe that Cascaronis are the work of the devil. But other than that, Fiesta is just this great time in our city to come together as a community and to be a community together. And um, I, I enjoy my time in Fiesta, but I'm so happy that Fiesta is over. Um, One of the things I heard uh, this morning from two high school girls that work in our um, child care department, they're walking up the stairs and they're discussing um, how tired they are after this last week of Fiesta. And I'm like, y'all are 17. You should not be tired yet. Um, But that's something, that's a word tired that is used a lot. How many of you use that word a lot? I many of you use it on a daily basis, <laughs> um, you know, we live in this society that's always going and it's always doing something. Fiesta is over, but something else is probably coming for you. Something that's exciting and that's fun and something that you're looking forward to. But there's always one thing after another. It always seems like there's something else to do. We had a t-ball game yesterday and I was we were at a birthday party earlier with some really good friends. Very exciting to do that. And then we had the t-ball game a little bit later. And one of the things I was saying is I really hope the rain comes soon because it's t-ball and I don't want to go. But of course, the rain did not. We had the game. And we go on, I was telling uh, Jessica Ceres, uh, one of our children's uh, directors, this this morning, she goes, if you're already hoping for canceled games at T-Ball, you're never going to make it through Little League. I'm like, but it's just an, one thing after another. It seems like we stack our lives that way now. I don't remember as a child being as busy as my kids are, really as my brother's kids are. They have the craziest schedule of anyone I know, from dance to sports to band to acting classes to blah, blah, blah. They're going to look at colleges. I'm like, she's a sophomore. It's a little early. But there's all of these things. There's all this pressure if you don't do this. And then I look at my friends that um, are my age and have kids, and they have all the kids' schedules and all the stuff going on. And, and um, a few of my friends in particular never stop working. They go to their kids' events, they do different things, but they're always connected to their phones. They're always, always doing emails or making calls or responding to something. Oh, man, I'll be right back. I have this really important deal. I'm like, they're always all important deals for you. Do you ever turn it off? Well, no, you can't do that in my job. Really? Because my job has some weird hours, too. But I turn it off. Maybe not as much as I should. But we live in this world that has afforded us this technology that is wonderful. But we've become prisoners to it. We've become so attached to certain things that we can't remove ourselves. To rest. When's the last day you rested? Think about that. When's the last time you put your cell phone in a drawer? You didn't bring out the mower. You didn't, you didn't do any kind of yard work or housework. You didn't turn the television on. When's the last day you just sat and really rested? When's the last day you slept until you woke up? Hear that. Not until you were awakened by some outside force, be it children or electronic. But when's the last time you allowed yourself to go to bed early and to sleep late? When's the last time you woke up with nothing to do on your agenda for the day? Now, some of you are going, I am really lazy. I do this all the time. Um, (laughs) When's the last day you woke up and didn't think about the things that you had to do either that day or the next day or the coming week? See, the thing I think we've lost the ability to do is to stop. We've lost the ability to just rest and really, really rest. Last week, Matt was taking this through... um, some designs of God and and from where he left off, what the scripture does is um, it 's just this amazing thing it, it says plans. For the ark plans for the table plans for the lampstand plans for the tabernacle plans for the altar of burnt offering plans for the courtyard Clothing for the priests design of the ephod, design of the chest piece additional clothing for the priests dedication of the priests Where are we plans for the incense altar money for the tabernacle plans for the wash basin the anointing oil the incense God gives all of these intricate designs for how he desires his tabernacle to be built. God is like, here, listen, here's what I want you to do. All of these designs, all of these plans, and it's very detail oriented, very detail oriented. The item after item after item after item, God lays it out for us. And then he says, and these two people are anointed uh, to do this. He's given all this direction to Moses. He's up on uh, Mount Sinai, and he's given all this direction to Moses, with which Moses will come down and tell the rest of us. But then this is how he finishes this section. I'm at chapter 31, verse 12. The Lord then gave these further instructions to Moses. Tell the people of Israel to keep my Sabbath day. For the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and me. And you forever. It helps you to remember that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Yes, keep the Sabbath day for it is holy. Anyone who desecrates it must die. Anyone who works on that day will be cut off from the community. Work six days only, but the seventh day must be a day of total rest. I repeat, because the Lord considered it a holy day, anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. The people of Israel must Keep the Sabbath day forever. It is a permanent sign of my covenant with them. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but he rested on the seventh day and was refreshed. Then, as the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant written by the finger of God. God spikes his words and wisdom with the Sabbath. He gives all of this instruction to Moses, and then he says at the end of it, And then rest. And then let me sign my name. If he finishes this way, chances are it's a big deal. If it weren't that much of a big deal, A, it wouldn't be in the text. Or B, he would have opened with it. Hey, rest, but now get to work. But no, he says, work. And then, this is very important, so much so that if you don't do it, there's some pretty extreme consequences. Rest. Remember, we've been talking about as the people of Israel are coming out of Egypt, that, that God is having to teach them to reshape their identities. This is who you truly are. This is what they told you you were. but That's not right. Here's who you are. Sons and daughters. You are meant for greater things. Here's how you live. You work six days and then you rest. When you're a slave, you don't have time off. When you're a slave, you work when they tell you to work, and that's pretty much all the time. What God is reminding them is that they're no longer, no longer slaves. They're free. And so every week, stop and remember that you are free. Stop and remember that I brought you out of slavery into freedom stop and remember that it was in six days that I created everything and then as Eugene Peterson in his translation says God took a deep breath I love that image how often do we do that and the use of the term the, the plural Sabbaths here, because it wasn't just one, it was to continue generation after generation after generation. Somewhere along the line, Christians believed that it no longer applied to us. Somewhere along the line, we decided that the Sabbath meant coming to church and then doing whatever we wanted to. How many of you do yard work on Sundays? How many of you take care of those things, those chores, those, uh, those little things that you can't get done the rest of the week? Yeah, we, uh, so we, we all do that. How many of you open your refrigerator and allow the light to come on on Sundays? Do you know that's a Sabbath rule? Before the Sabbath begins, you should take the light bulb of your refrigerator out so that when you open the door, it does not turn on. Because as you turn a light on, you are considered doing work and therefore profaning the Sabbath. Bam. How many of you cook a meal on Sundays? Sinners! How many of you write more than two letters? Not like letters, but actual like A and B. Profaners. These are Sabbath laws. Sabbath laws. It was considered that you were not allowed to do uh, melacha, work. And what does that work mean? Uh, There's like 30-something different uh, ways that the rabbis describe this amount of work. That word for work there is only used uh, when it is talking about Sabbath, actually, in the text. But it is specific duties and things. I told a story a a few months ago when Scott Hare was over in Jerusalem uh, this past summer. He and Kathy lived in this, they were walking through this Hasidic uh, neighborhood, and it was on the Sabbath. And there was this guy standing out on the sidewalk, and he was just really waving to them. Um, And Scott and Kathy go over to him and he speaks nothing but Hebrew. And Scott speaks a little Hebrew, but not really um, a ton. But what they gathered was the guy really needed him to come inside to their home. Um, And so they did. And they find this whole family sitting around there, uh, around in the kitchen. And they're all like so excited to see these two goyams, these two non-Jewish people walk in to their home. And he like points to the stove and the stove, um, the fire is going on uh, on the stove, and, and he's like pointing to him, and Scott figures out that he wants him to turn the stove off because he couldn't do it because it was the Sabbath. Now, what they normally do is they set a timer, but he had forgotten to set the timer so that it would turn off, and so they're freaked out that they're going to burn the house down or something like that. Um, and, and so, oh, it was the other way around. He hadn't turned it on yet. And so he comes in and Scott saves the day. Superhero Scott Hare, the non-Jewish guy, can just go click. And they walked out and they discussed it. And Scott, it it made such an impression on Scott that he shared it with the pastors. And the reason he did is the faithfulness of that man. He was willing to go find some random stranger to enter into his home, to light his stove. Instead of profaning the Sabbath and doing something that God prevented him, told him not to do. Now, am I asking you to go that far? Yes. No. No, I'm not. Of course not. But but what I think we need to do is to go a little bit towards that. I heard Eugene Peterson speak years ago, um, a few years ago, about many things. One of the Things he talked about was the Sabbath. And he said, The Sabbath is a, a time of praying and playing. The Sabbath is a time um, of community. He said, You cannot do Sabbath alone. You have to do Sabbath with community. And what he meant was this that, that once a week, stop and gather together as a community and don't think about your jobs and don't think about um, the worries of the world. Be together, love one another, share a meal together, come together as the family of God. What it does is it reminds you that you are part of a body. And if you have children, it teaches them that their family doesn't just consist of the people that live under their roof, but their family is much bigger. As you begin to do that, you, you shape their vision of how they see other people. And quite honestly, it, it does the same for us. Sabbath is a time that we need to rest. This rhythm, getting into this rhythm. God set up these practices of worship and prayer and resting. There's this um, Jewish word that I wish Ryan, I thought I saw Ryan walk in. Um, he's our resident Hebrew expert. I'm going to mess this word up. It is mukzeh. Y'all don't know. That's exactly how I pronounce it. Mukzeh. And uh, what this mean, word means is to set aside. Uh, there are certain objects on the Sabbath that are considered mukzeh that you do not touch, that you set them aside. I'd like to propose this. Smartphones are mukzeh. Computers. Mukzeh televisions. It's Sunday, I know our What if we set these things aside for the Sabbath? And instead we spoke to one another. And we shared meals together. And we lived life together. What if we set these things that always pull ourselves away from the attention of the person that we're with. Just set them aside. And we really were with one another. And we rested together. Seems kind of hard. Pretty easy right now, right? It's not football season. Nobody? Nothing? Nothing? Sunday football? No. Game four tonight, though, Crocker. That's right. Exception. (laughs) But what if we just take a few steps towards that direction? That we begin to set these cycles of rest in our lives, not just on, um, you know what, you know what, Crocker, it's summertime coming up. I have a week off later. I'm going to rest then. But what about now? We need to begin to see the rhythm. I mean, God, God's pretty clear about this, and he's pretty strong. If you do not honor the Sabbath, you are cut off from the community. Death. This isn't the only time he says it, by the way. He says it earlier in Exodus. He will say it later in Exodus, and he will say it again. The Sabbath is a big deal to God because it's important to us. Do you think God really needed to stop on the seventh day and go, oh, that was really hard? It's God. Of course not. But what God was doing was setting us the example. So I've been in ministry for 12 years, two years in Fort Worth while I was in seminary at TCU, and then ten years here, having taken over from uh, Pastor Hare. During that time, uh, I haven't really rested. I've I've gone uh, when someone's needed me, I've been available. Um, when someone was dying, I have tried to be there. Uh, I'm not the most compassionate person in the world. Um, until grace came along. And then for seven years, I've been much more compassionate than I have in the first three here. Um, I used to didn't care about you people, but now I do. And so this stuff has been, uh, has been building up. We tend to um, run at the fastest speed we can. I like to tell Jenna that we kind of got the RPMs revved into the red line and we won't let it go. Um, Even during Fiesta, um, I did a lot of things with, um, um, I'm, in, I'm a member of the Texas Cavaliers, and you might have seen me in the river parade. I was driving a barge. Anybody see me? Somebody. <laughs> yeah. um, it was. I didn't run into, that's not true, I ran into two walls. Um, but I have these um, other, the reason I do these things is so that I can be who I am for Jesus there. And the great thing is, I get to do that. And I get invited to say prayers at different fiesta events now. Um, And it's fun and I love it. I show up and they're like, you're a pastor. I'm like, I know Um, I am. Let's pray. Uh, And so I get to be there and that's what I long to do. I long to be who God has created me to be wherever I am. Don't always get it right. Um, But often I do. But what this does is it, it has caused me to always be on. When other guys have taken time off of work to relax, I'm still at work. Um, and, and so a realization came to me and Jenna after speaking with a, a pastor who is retired and um, who, I, who I respect his opinion. I went and spoke to him and I said, hey, how did you do it for so long? Because I don't like these people anymore. And he said, I left and came back. And then I left again. And came back. And he encouraged me to do the same. And uh, so after talking with uh, David and uh, and Scott about this a lot and praying a lot about it, uh, we were planning for next year um, to take a sabbatical. Uh, but some different events happened um, over the past few months that made us throw it into fifth gear, press the gas, and do it this year. Um, so... Because I haven't listened to God with this Sabbath thing, um, my world started spinning and kind of falling apart. And what I needed to do, for me, for Jenna, and for the kids, uh, was to take a break from the from you. It's not you. It's it's no. It, it's you. Um, so what this means is I am taking a sabbatical this summer, um, and and this. Is it really as big a deal as I think I'm letting it sound like? <laughs> um, uh, I will be leaving uh, the 1st of June. Um, I have an opportunity to study in Oxford. That's right. I'm an Oxford guy now. Um, I know. I don't believe it either, neither is my father. Um, I will be studying uh, about Wesley and C.S. Lewis, and um, the, the Crockers will be heading to England. We'll be over there for a little over a month. Um, but I will be out from June, um, the 1st of June, to um, the 1st of September. Now, what does that mean for here? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. All it means is the jokes won't be as funny for a summer. Um, We will have new heights services. Uh, We will still be here. The worship team will be here. Uh, Daryl will be going to do his doctorate stuff, Doctor Daryl, for uh, for a couple of weeks in June. But other than that, we're all going to be here. They are all going to be here. Uh, We will. The people who are be uh, teaching. Um, Matt will come in and teach some. Daryl is going to teach some. Casey Harris, those of you who are fans of little Casey Harris, will be back from the islands uh, of Hawaii, and uh, and she will be taking uh, some of those Sundays, as will, I believe, Scott Hare will be coming in. Uh, His reprisal role at New Heights uh, will be coming uh, to deliver some uh, teachings during that time as well. So I know that you will be good, Uh, and, uh, and know that I will be back on the 1st of September. Um, The the thing about pastors is, and I'll just say this, pastors that take sabbaticals 70-ish percent of the time don't come back. Um, They don't come back to either the ministry or their church, and the reason is they wait too long to take a sabbatical, Um, and that's not the case here. I I love New Heights. I love our community. I'm just tired. So I plan to study uh, this summer and to write something I used to do a lot of and I haven't for a long time. And to reconnect with God so that when I come back, I can be a better shepherd. Um, and if you have any questions about this, uh, you may like not even care, uh, which is fine. you're like, really, Crocker, we're, this is game four. I have a party to go to. Um, um, please come and talk to me. Um, if you have any uh, questions or concerns about it, please come and talk to me. I would love to share with you what we're doing this summer, and I will share um, in the fall as well. What we were doing. Um, But I felt like I asked David if I could tell you all today. Um, And he's like, well, um, I haven't told this one guy who's on this one committee. And I'm like, David, we're talking about Sabbath today. God's like going, here you go, Crocker. Um, And uh, he's like, well, okay. Uh, Like he could have stopped me anyway. Sabbath. Sabbath. It's an important thing. And we need to begin to live into the rhythm of rest. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the rules and regulations that you've given us. Not because you want us to be confined to something, but because you want to set us free. You want us to live in to the places that you long for us to be, to be the people you want us to be, God. And so you gave us these rhythms of worship, of study, of prayer, of offering, of communion, of community, and of rest. Help us, Lord, to find our way into those rhythms. Help us, Father. Guide us into those rhythms to move with you so that we can know more who you are and then know more who we are. We thank you and praise you in Jesus name.